It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm particularly pleased for a number of reasons to be joined today by Father Mike Schmitz, who is the host of very popular podcasts and work, um, Bible in a Year, all over Hallow, um, and just helping so many people find peace and some understanding in these times. He's also the chaplain of the University of Minnesota Duluth, where he is youth minister there, um, but you're reaching millions of people all over the world. Father Mike, it's great to have you with us, and so nice to meet you in person. Yeah, so, same. It's great to be thank here. Thank you for coming. I know it wasn't that easy today. <laughs> there are protests yeah. going on in Manhattan. Um, what's going through your mind right now as you watch all of this? I know you've been to the Holy Land 15 times, and you're in the middle of planning a trip there right now, right? Yeah, yeah. We're, I'm planning two trips, in fact. We're, yeah. we're taking students this March, God willing, and then another group of people in May or June. And it's, uh, I have a friend who just, he, he was just there on Saturday and he got out yesterday, which I'm super grateful for. But so many people, that's their home. And so they're not able to get out. They're not able to escape. And so, yeah, it's, it's devastating. So what's you, you know, in terms of the Bible and history, because I, I've been going through the Bible in a year right now, and I'm pretty much on target um, to finish at the end of the year. But there, there's so, all I keep thinking is is how many times through history this has happened. Yeah, yeah. That it, Jerusalem it, has been under siege. So put it in perspective for everyone and how much is talked about in the Old Testament about expecting this. And, that, and that's a really great way to frame it because there's that sense of um, here is, is the Holy Land, which has been contested it over for, for generation upon generations. And not just the Holy Land itself, though, but even just the, the what's in the heart of hu- human beings. Mm-hmm. And this is that's something that, that gets revealed through the Bible. When you just are willing to let the Bible tell you what it has to say, or when you're willing to let God tell you what he has to say about, about the human heart, that we're made good, we're made in his image and likeness, every single one of us. And yet we also have this brokenness in our heart. And that brokenness uh, wants to grasp after uh, more that we want to grasp after what we think is ours. We want to fight for our own. We want to fight against others, and it just causes this division. In fact, if there's any one uh, marker of the beginning of the Bible, it is that God's good. He makes this world good. He makes us good, but then we broke it, and we got broken in these ways. We got broken in our relationship with him, relationship with each other, and even in our own hearts, and that's the thing is like what we see in Israel right now, absolutely devastating, but it is the story of humanity, and it's not the story of just people against people. It's the story of even, I mean, as we know, right, we, we all have these broken hearts. We war against ourselves, mm-hmm. and so there's this this piece where when we become more and more familiar, not just with history, but with the Word of God, we realize, okay, I'm not surprised by this. It's still devastating, still tragic, but I'm not surprised by it because we have a vision, a lens that has been shaped by, um, yep, I know that this is in my heart. I know that this is in your heart. And it's only a matter of, and somebody is, it's, it's not a cynical way. It's probably trying to be as realistic as possible. It's only a matter of time until it comes to the surface in devastating ways, which is why we need people who are willing to stand up against this. You know, we, we need people who are willing to take a stand and say, um, yes, your heart's broken, my heart's broken, all of our hearts are broken, and we war against each other. We need to also stop that. And so there's something powerful that the Bible reveals to us about this whole thing. We see these images of young people at a music festival running from paragliders coming in, missiles coming at them, the whole world 
world is falling apart. Some of them are being held right now in tunnels, we expect, uh, in Gaza City under the ground. And I can imagine that they're wondering where God is. Yeah. You know, there is there is a... Uh you know, Elie Wiesel, Elie Wiesel, the Jewish uh, author and just uh, cultural leader in so many ways. When he was, I think it was 13 years old when he was in a concentration camp mm-hmm. during World War II. And at one point, there was this, there's this moment where um, this child is being hung. He's a child in the gall- from the gallows in one of these concentration camps. And at one point, the Jewish people who were there in this concentration camp cry out, like, where is God? And one of the old, old men, he pointed and says, he's right there. And in, that, in, the, in, the, in the form of that child who is being killed in that moment, who's being executed in that moment. And there's this big connection. I don't want to be offensive to Elie Wiesel and his tradition, but there's this massive tradition when it comes to Christians that say, yes, that's exactly what it is. Where is God in this moment? We realize that for Christians, our primary symbol, the primary reminder of God's love is the form of a cross. And that's because God entered into our world. He entered into our suffering, entered into evil, not to take it away. We wish that that's, that would be what you and I would want to do. Like enter into evil and take it away. Enter into suffering take it away, entering into death and take it away. But God, we believe as Christians, he proves his love for us, that he enters into our suffering, not to take it away, but to transform it. And he enters into our, our suffering, our evil, again, even just right now. I and mean, it's easy for me to say right now, right, in this place of air-conditioned comfort as opposed to being on the ground. But the truth still remains the truth. And that truth is that when we are on our cross, we are closer to the Lord than ever. That when we're on our deathbed, when we're on our last gasp, when we are in the midst of suffering, we have a symbol of a God who doesn't stay away from our suffering. He doesn't remain distant. He actually draws close to us in the very place we need him the most. When you look at the Bible uh, in Zechariah, he talks about Jerusalem's enemy being destroyed. The prophet says, Judah will be besieged as well as Jerusalem on that day when all of the nations of earth are gathered against her. I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock for all the nations. All who try to move it will injure themselves. It's again, it's that replaying of history again and again where we recognize that I was even, even just uh, struck by last week um, at, at Mass, we were reading from the prophet Zechariah and I talked about how how um, the days will come when everyone will want to grasp onto the hem of the cloak of a Jewish person and say, let me go with you to the place of worship. Let me go with you to Jerusalem. So there's this dual prophecy that is, here's the world coming against Jerusalem, but also here is the longing of the human heart to be able to go to what Jerusalem symbolizes as the place of worship. It symbolized at that time the place of encounter with God. And so there's this, this again, this dichotomy where it's the place of conflict, but also it's the place of encounter. It's the place of, of war, but it's also the place of worship. And there's something about that that just realized that Jerusalem in so many ways stands, out of all the history of humanity, Jerusalem stands in so many ways at the center of that history of humanity. Yeah, I, I was just there with my family in uh, end of May, beginning of June, and just sensed so strongly what you're talking about. And obviously there are a number of faiths that converge mm-hmm. there um, to worship there as well. You know, when you look back through the stories of of the Bible and the two exiles, uh, in many ways, and and I I would love to hear what you say about this, but it's like God was sending a message, teaching a lesson to people who had drifted away. Yeah. Right? And so 
Oh, it's just tricky to, to talk about. How do you navigate that now? Yeah, I mean, it is, it, we see the world becoming more secular, people pulling away from religions, and now we see this boiling pot in the Middle East, in Israel right now. How do you explain that, interpret that for listeners? Yeah, well, one of the things that we realize is that, yes, there's this connection between sin and suffering. There is a connection between sin and suffering in the sense that here's God who, make, as I said, made this world good, made us good. There is no suffering. There was no evil. There was no death. But with the introduction of sin, then you have this brokenness. But at the same time, Jesus makes it really clear in the Gospels that it's not a one-to-one -one ratio. It's not a, if you sin, bad things will happen to you. It's not karma. And so as Christians, we don't believe in karma, but we recognize there is a connection between our sin and suffering. And so, but again, but it's important to understand it's not a one-to-one. -one. It's not like, oh, so-and-so deserves this because they did such and such. That is not what we believe as Christians. At the same time, there is consequences. And, and, and people of Israel, when I mean the Old Testament, they were able to look at their story and make the connection between we, in many ways, we brought this upon ourselves because we were unfaithful to the Lord. And, and they were, and they didn't, it's a crazy thing about this, it's incredible because they didn't shy away from that. They, they embraced it, they realized that no, we were unfaithful and so God allowed us to go through this so that we would be reminded of our need for him. And not as a punishment, but as a consequence that would bring them their hearts back and that's, that's the key thing. That is true, I think, for many of our lives is that God allows us not, he's not punishing us, he allows us to experience the consequences of our choices, not as vengeance, but so that hopefully in the midst of our experience of this brokenness, that he can then get through the cracks of our hearts to the depths of who we are. And I believe that that is, that is the case. God allows us in so many ways to experience this brokenness mm -hmm. to bring us back. Again, at the same time, you have to qualify that. It's not a one-to-one -one situation. And so it's not saying, well, the people of Israel right now are guilty of something, therefore this is happening to them. Not saying that at all. Just like I wouldn't say that about any individual or any family if they're going through a, a pain or going through some kind of great suffering. It's not because they deserve it. But we have to realize that when our hearts are broken, God can use those cracks to get close to us and to bring us close to Him. The Untold Story continues right after this. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. What brought you here to New York um, is an event that you're doing. Talk to us about why you're here and what you're going to be doing. Yeah, so I was invited to be part of uh, Mass at uh, St. Pat's Cathedral and then be part of a Eucharistic procession um, through the streets of New York City. And um, so what that is, is so we believe that in the Mass, in the, the, the host, the bread and the wine, truly become the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. That, that when Jesus at the Last Supper said, this is my body, when he said, this is my blood, that we believe that that actually is a true, his true presence, he's really there. And so it's, it's the, I would say the holiest thing we have. And so we have that in the Mass, but also there's this thing called Eucharistic procession where we have our Lord in the Eucharist and we process outside the walls of the church. And the idea behind this is not processing with Jesus triumphantly. It's that sense of, you know, when Jesus died on the cross and it says the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom. The veil was covering the Holy of Holies, right? The, the holiest place in, in Judaism where the presence of God would abide. And their temples ripped top to bottom, not so that people have access now to the Lord, although that's a great image, but also so that God's holiness 
can flow out of the walls of the temple into where the people live. And that's the idea behind a Eucharistic procession. It's, it's not, again, not triumphalistic. It's the idea of, okay, here is the love of God for you that goes out of the walls of the church and processes through the streets because that's where you live. And basically it's the, the, the invitation to just look up and see God is here. God has not abandoned you. God is present. He loves you and he wants to be where you are. And that's the whole mystery of Christianity, right? That's the core of Christianity is that God doesn't remain distant, especially in our pain. He doesn't, he doesn't stay far away. It's not that Bette Midler song from a distance. It was, mm-hmm. he's not watching us from a distance. He comes close to us because he wants to be with us and he invites us to come close to him too. And so that's what this is t- about tomorrow. Uh, we have a get mass at the cathedral and then um, a procession and just a, I still I'll, like that song from a distance it's a great song <laughs> <laughs> um, you know it, just before I let you go I mean one of the things that I remember watching when I first became aware of your work on YouTube was your description of um, the body and blood of Christ being the body and blood of Christ, not a symbol of that, which obviously is is a dividing point right. among Christian faiths. Um, and Catholics obviously believe that it is the body and blood of Christ. And you do this very interesting and I think convincing walk through Jesus's own words, how he said it over and over and over again. So, and you say, that means he meant it. Right. <laughs> Can you explain that to everybody? Um, yeah, uh, I know that the YouTube one's like 45 minutes long. It's great, but um, give, it's a, give us a quick version. I, I think it's uh, even the talk is called The Hour That Will Change Your Life. So it yes. is an hour long almost, as you said, 45 minutes. But we have not only The Last Supper, where Jesus says, this is my body, this is my blood. And there's a, a guy back in the day, about 500 years ago, named Robert Bellarmine who's having a debate with someone else who was saying, no, it's just a symbol. And he said, let me get this straight. So you say this is not his body, but Jesus said, this is my body. Who should I believe? You know, that kind of a thing. But if you go back to John chapter six, you read this whole story of Jesus, you know, he feeds 5,000 people, 5,000 men, not counting the women and children, with five loaves and two fish. That night he walks across the Sea of Galilee. The next morning, these people come out there because they want to get more food. And Jesus says, I have food for you. If you eat it, you'll never be hungry again. And so they want this. And he says, okay, so I'm the bread of life. And he says, the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. And in that moment, the crowds and even the disciples of Jesus, they begin arguing and saying like, wait, how can he give us his flesh to eat? So that's a moment where they think he's speaking literally. You know, Jesus wasn't speaking literally. This is a perfect opportunity for the best teacher in the world to clarify that, no, I just mean that figuratively. But instead of doing that, he not just doubles down, triples down. He, five times in a row, he says again and again, my flesh is true food, my blood is true drink. You, that if you don't eat my flesh and drink blood, you have no life within you. And it's shocking. It's so shocking that because of this, even his disciples walked away from him. Mm. And Jesus not only lets them go, he turns to his apostles, those, those 12, his closest friends, the ones who he's going to send out into the world to, to bring Christianity to the world. And he says, do you want to leave too? Because he's not backing down from this truth that he has made so abundantly clear. And Simon Peter is the one who responds and he says, basically, he doesn't say he understands. He doesn't say, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I completely believe this. And I, it makes so much sense. He says, where are we going to go? We have come to believe that you are the Holy One of God. And so I don't understand. Basically, I don't understand, but I know I can, I know I can trust you. And that's the, the call for all of us. You know, for 1,500 years, every Christian, 100% of Christians believe this. And it's only been in the last couple hundred years where we haven't been united in this. And that's a, that's a tragedy, again, because it's one of God's greatest gifts that he's ever given to us, himself. And yet so many people who love Jesus don't know of the greatest gift that he's ever given to us. So one last thought before we, um, before we go. I know you have uh, some place else that you have to be in the meantime. So um, what's your prayer for the Middle East, for the Holy Land today? 
peace is the first, but strength and hope. I think it's easy to become bitter. Again, that's easy for me to say. But at the same time, to remain strong and to remain strong in hope. Um, I have so much affection for the people of Israel. Um, so much affection not only for the Jewish people of Israel, the Muslims, the Christians who live there. They live together in harmony for a lot. Of, there's a lot of peace there when you go with it. It's, just, it's, it's incredible how you can go and here's the Muslim quarter, the Jewish quarter, the Christian quarter, the Armenian quarter. And, and there's a lot of cooperation. And there's a lot of, we built this community and there's differences, obviously. But the most striking thing, I think, whenever I go there is that sense of like, wait, they've managed to find a way to live in harmony for the most part. And for them to not forget that, that they have carved something as a whole, like the Arab, the Palestinians, the Israelis, they've carved something together that is remarkable. And for this war to not only devastate lives and to devastate what's going on right now, to make sure that it doesn't also break their hearts, that it makes sure it also doesn't crack that strength and that hope that they have as a people. Father Mike Schmitz, thank you so much for being with us today. And I would encourage everybody to watch Father Mike on YouTube or go to Hallow, um, Bible in a Year, sermons all the time. Um, if you're curious about these ideas or if you want to strengthen your own faith or if you are not a person of faith, but you just want to hear more and kind of understand and think about it for yourself and, and try to come to terms with where you believe and where you are on some of these issues, especially given what's going on in in the Holy Land right now and these tense times that we are all living through. So Father Mike, thank you so much and um, our prayers for you at St. Patrick's and with your procession. There's a lot of protests going on in the streets of New York right now, so you will not be alone out there. Um, and we look forward to it. Thank you so much, Father. Thanks, Martha. You've been listening to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Make sure to rate and review. For more podcasts, go to foxnewspodcast.com. Listen ad-free with the Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts and Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.